0: I'd like to invite you to take your Bibles this morning and join me in turning to the Old Testament book of Exodus. Exodus chapter 3 is where we're going to be today. Exodus chapter 3. I was born and raised in California, but all my family's from Colorado, and I remember as a young guy, we'd go back to Colorado on vacations, I'd spend my summers in Colorado, and as soon as I got my driver's license, I took every opportunity to head that way and to take friends with me, And, and I remember on one occasion... I had a group of friends, we were my brothers, or uh, my friends rather, is Ford Bronco, driving back to Colorado, and we always took a big trailer with us when we went, because we didn't have enough money to pay for all the expenses of the trip, so before we'd come home, we'd cut a couple cords of firewood, bring the wood back, we had a bunch of customers set up, and we'd sell that firewood, and that's how we'd finance our fun, and we're coming out in kind of a Christmas break time of year just wanting to have a little fun, driving this truck with the trailer. And we came to my grandparents' driveway. They live way out in the country, and they live at the end of a gravel road. That's where the dirt road starts, okay? And that, that leads to their property. And, and uh, at this point in their lives, they were spending their winters in a warmer climate, and their house was just vacant, there for us to use. And, and we pulled up to their driveway. It's about 200-yard-long driveway, and it was just absolutely covered in snow. And I'd been through there enough to know that there were some steep areas on either side. There was a dip getting into that driveway, and we wondered what we should do, towing a trailer and all, and, and uh, being young guys with probably not one good working brain between the group of us, you know, we, we decided we should probably lock the hubs on the four-wheel drive and gun it and go for it. And that's what we did, and we got about 20 yards down the 200-yard driveway before we just came to a stop. Well, we immediately went to work. We unhitched the trailer and started working and did everything we could. Now, my my grandparents have a neighbor. Their next-door neighbor is my uncle. Now, he's like five miles away. They're in the country, okay? And, And I knew I could call my uncle and he'd get me out of that position. I knew he could help me from that setback. I understood that, but I didn't want to call him because I was afraid that I'd never hear the end of it. So I didn't call him until we almost absolutely froze to death, and then I finally called him, and sure enough, he showed up in his four-wheel drive uh, John Deere tractor, and uh, he he didn't bring a Massey Ferguson. That would have never pulled us out. That's farming humor. You guys won't get that, but farmers would appreciate that. He pulled up in his four-wheel drive John Deere tractor, and just in a matter of minutes, he pulled us out. A few minutes after that, we're at his house, standing around a fire, drinking hot chocolate. Glad we survived to tell the tale, but my uncle said to me, his name's Steve, he said, Steve, why didn't you call me earlier? It had gotten late in the night. It was obvious that we'd been out there much longer than we needed to be. Wow, well, why didn't you call me? And the understanding was you knew I'd come, you knew I'd help, you knew I had the resources, you, you understood that, that what happened could have happened much earlier. What took you so long? We're two weeks into our comeback series now, and I want us to come to understand that if we're going to have a comeback in our lives, we need to have the capacity to answer that question. Why didn't you call me sooner? Why didn't you ask? When in a jam, or if we have some need in life that we need some traction for, we sometimes look for help in all the wrong places. We hope that someone will show up or that something Will happen, but I believe we're going to see today that the key to a comeback is understanding that help is not on the way. Help is already there. Help is found in the ever present relationship we find with God. He's saying, I'm right here with you. All you've got to do is ask. Now, we have a passage of Scripture before us today that that I believe highlights this truth. And we're, we're going to find a character in the, in the Bible in this study. He's a familiar character, uh, very prominent in the Old Testament. In fact, we read a lot of him in the New Testament, a man by the name of, of Moses. And in the passage we're going to study, Moses is having a talk with God. And part of what Moses is trying to explain to God is, God, I know you need to get something done and you're asking me to do it. But God, you don't understand that I can't do it. God, you don't know what I can't do. So let me help you out. And he's telling God why he can't have a comeback in his life. And, and it's, it's a passage we're going to study a little before and a little after. But I want to read a couple of these verses together with you today. And if you're able, I'd like to ask you to join me in standing as we look to Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3. And we're going to begin reading in, in verse 10. The Bible says, Come now, therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Now, God's speaking here to Moses. And he's saying, "Uh, Moses, I I want you to go to the ruler of the world at the time. Pharaoh wasn't a name, it was more a title. Uh, At this time, if history books are correct... If they're correct, I I know the Bible's correct, but if what I read in history books is correct, Amenhotep II was was the Pharaoh. And God was sending Moses at this time to go back to the Pharaoh because he wanted Moses to be the liberator of of the people. He wanted Moses to go and and, uh, to lead the people of God out of Egypt. Verse 11, Moses said unto God, Who am I? God, do you know who you're talking to? Do you know who I am? God, who am I? that I should go unto Pharaoh, and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt. And he, God, said to Moses, Certainly, I'll be with thee. And this shall be a token unto thee, that I have sent thee, when thou hast brought forth a people out of Egypt. Ye shall serve God upon this mountain. It was a specific mountain. He says this is going to be a sign to you. When what happens that I'm telling you now you're going to be a part of, when this comes to pass on this very spot, this mountain, uh, you're, you're going to worship me here. And I'm looking forward to developing this with you today. I want you to notice in the beginning of verse 12, God just simply said this to Moses. He said, I'll be with thee. I'll be with thee. And in a sense, he was saying, Moses, look, you know you need help, but you've got to understand it's not coming. It's not on the way. It's already here, and you're just not seeing it. Now, everybody has a story in life, don't they? A lot of times when I'll tell a story in a sermon, it'll be a personal story, and that's not because my story's better than your story. I just know my life story better than I know your life story, okay? And so sometimes I'll tell personal, personal stories. But mine's not better than yours. Yours isn't better than mine, but we all have them. And as we go through this comeback series, I want all of us to become aware of the fact that We don't just open the Bible to find the lives of those who've had comebacks. Those people are seated all around us. And so as we go through this series, we're going to take some time to to hear some stories. And so I'm going to have a word of prayer, and then we're going to have an opportunity to hear of a comeback that took place right here in our church family. Father, thank you for the opportunity to open your word, to read it, to study it. Bless this time. Open our hearts. May a difference be made for your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. There's power in a story, and much of the Old Testament contains the story of the nation of Israel in its beginning. You actually can trace Israel's beginning all the way back to one person. It was a man by the name of Abraham. In fact, he's oftentimes called Father Abraham because he's the father of, of Israel. And Abraham had a son by the name of Isaac, and then Isaac had a son by the name of Jacob. And Jacob had 12 sons, and each of his sons became the leader of the 12 tribes of Israel. And as you read the Old Testament, you read of the various tribes. And this all goes back to this great heritage that, that had been brought about by God's grace and through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. As Jacob's Sons were becoming the leaders of what we would call the 12 tribes of Israel. There was a huge drought in the land and the farms weren't doing well. And they made a decision that what they would do was they'd go down to Egypt. They heard there was still some food down there. And so they went to Egypt and sure enough, there was food there and their lives were saved. And Egypt was a great place to be for a little while. They thought it would be just kind of a quick stopover where they could kind of load up on their provisions. They enjoyed it so much they put down their roots. But in time, there arose another pharaoh who didn't know these people, these Jewish people that had come in. And he felt threatened by them. And how it all happened exactly, we are not sure. But they went from being invited, welcomed guests in the land of Egypt to becoming slaves of the Egyptian government and of the ruler pharaoh. And things got very, very difficult for them. Incredibly difficult Here they are in in this time in their nation's history and they're really just beginning and they're they're now going to go on about a 400 year long losing streak in life. Just couldn't seem to have anything go their way. During this time, the Pharaoh began to evaluate these Jewish people who'd come into the land, and they were having so many kids that he felt threatened by the growing population of Jewish people in an Egyptian nation. And so he developed a plan to help him deal with this population explosion. His plan was that they would kill all the male babies born to Jewish mothers. Well, as you can imagine, the Jewish mothers weren't pleased at all by that idea. In fact, the Bible tells us in Exodus chapters 1 and 2 that that there was a husband and wife, and they had a son, and they loved him, and and, uh, they were willing to do what they had to do to protect him. In fact, in the New Testament, we read of this story uh, as well in Hebrews chapter 11. The Bible tells us that by faith, Moses, when he was born, he was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child, and I like that word proper, that that. That literally means he was a comely child. He was, he was a cute baby. They saw a great potential in him, a great future in him. And I'm not surprised at all that a mom and dad would look at their baby and think, this is a good one, you know, he's a keeper. And their hearts were broken, really, to think of, of what was being uh, uh, placed upon this child in way of a death. Death sentence, and it says they were not afraid of the king's commandment. That doesn't mean they weren't scared. It just means that they were willing to fight that fear to overcome. They weren't going to let that fear put them in their place. And so the Bible tells us that this mom and dad took their baby and they built a little tiny boat and they put the baby in the boat and put the boat in the Nile River. And while this baby's floating there, hopefully out of harm's way, just trying to bide some time till they can figure out what else it is they should do. That that baby had a sister in the weeds, kind of watching make sure the baby was going to be okay well about that time the pharaoh's daughter came down to the river and as she's down there at the river she goes hey look at that little boat and discovers a baby in it and she knows what's going on and she takes and puts compassion on that baby and she takes baby moses home and raises that baby as her own it was an amazing turn of events the baby should never have lived yet for the next 40 years he would live Not only just as an Egyptian, but as Egyptian royalty. He would have had the best of everything there was to have in all of the world. But he was conflicted on the inside because although he was living as an Egyptian, Egyptian royalty no less, in his heart he knew I'm not really an Egyptian, I'm Jewish. And all he had to do was look out the window of the palace and he would see his brothers and sisters, so to speak, as they were enduring unbelievable hardship, all the things they were going through. One day he saw an Egyptian soldier beating a Jewish slave. A fight broke out, Moses gets involved and he ends up killing this Egyptian soldier in the fight. Well, he thinks that's it. My life's over. I've got to get out of here now. He spent 40 years living as Egyptian royalty. He would then spend the next 40 years living literally on the backside of the desert. The backside of the desert. On a mountain called Horeb, he would spend some time watching sheep and we know that while there the bible tells us that god came to moses and spoke to him the bible says he did it through a burning bush and so he sees this bush burning but it's not burning up and he thinks that's unusual and and god begins to communicate to him in exodus chapter 3 and verse 7 the bible says that the lord uh speaking now he said i have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in egypt and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters for i know their sorrows and friends, isn't it good to know that we have a God who, who from his perch in heaven, so to speak, he can look into our lives and he sees our affliction, he hears our cry, he knows what's on our heart, what's bringing sorrow our way. I'm glad to tell you today that we have a God who cares. And God comes to Moses and he says, listen, I'm not removed from this situation. I see what's going on. I, I see the heartbreak. I see the pain. I know what people are going through. And, and, and God tells Moses basically this, Moses, my plan to intervene, and the problems of my people is for you to go and to to talk to Pharaoh and I want you to be the liberator of my people. As our text began, God said to Moses, come now, therefore, I will send thee. The plan for the comeback was simple. Moses, you need to go, talk to Pharaoh, demand the release of the Jewish population. And so Moses understood what needed to be done and just as importantly, he understood why it needed to be done. But as he's processing all this, He just doesn't feel adequate himself to do what needs to be done. He understands, hey, I need to come back. He sees that, but he just, he looks in in his own life and he thinks, you know, I just don't think I have what it takes to pull it off. The odds are against me. And and in the verses that followed, God's plan was revealed and we learned some essential truths. We just have to glean if we want to come back. If you have your notes nearby, and I encourage you to, to get them down, uh, get them out, rather, and, and, and let's see some of the things that started coming to the surface in the, in the life of, of Moses, because I think we see his heart here, and we also in this passage see the heart of God. As we begin our study today, we're going to see that Moses, he felt inadequate in his life. He felt inadequate. God came to him and spoke. In response, Moses speaks back to God, and I want you to notice what it is that Moses says to God. He says, God, who am I? God, you, you're talking to me? Do you know who you're dealing with? Do you know my past? Do you know what I've been through? Do you know what I've done? Do you know all the problems that I have? God, who am I? But, but more than that, in that statement, who am I? That, that word, word really is a statement of authority. Moses was saying, God, you don't understand, I'm not authorized, I don't have the credentials, I don't have the backstage pass, I, I can't get in before uh, uh, Pharaoh, I, I don't have the authority, who am I? He was saying, I don't have the right rank, I don't have the right stature to do what you're asking me to do, and so here he is, this job God is giving him looks so big that in comparison... Moses himself feels so very small. I'm sure I'm not the only guy here today who's had something in life in front of me that was so big that it made me feel extra small. I'm sure most of you know what that's like in one way or another. I remember when God was putting on our hearts to come to this area and start the church. And, of course, we didn't know anybody. We didn't have any resources. I had no idea how that was going to happen. and I just felt that that's what God was leading us to do, and that just got so big, and leading up to that time, I just felt so incredibly small. small. It was as though I could say, God, who am I? There's got to be someone else that's got more experience and knows what they're doing or will do a better job, and I don't know why it is you're asking me to do this, God. I, I just don't feel that I'm up... To the task, I, I can remember a, a, as as a, a new, newly newly married, thinking I, I just I don't even know if I know how to to build a strong marriage. And I would look in the lives of others, married people, and sometimes I'd look at them and and what appeared to be so great. And I've since learned everything that appears is not necessarily so, but at least what appeared, I thought, man, I don't even know if I if I know how to do this, and, and it just seemed just so daunting, and I seemed so small in comparison. I, I remember looking at at our children and. Thinking, I just don't know if I have what it takes to be the influence, the father, the, the guider, the protector. The pro, all those things, I just thought, I, I just feel very, very small right now. I've looked at budgets around our kitchen table as well as budgets around conference tables and thought, man, I'm feeling, I'm feeling pretty small right now. Life has a way of doing that. I'm not saying we go through life perpetually feeling small, but but there are those seasons, there's moments, those times when a comeback is, is in order and we're feeling pretty small about things. That's where Moses is right now. Many times when we see the need for a comeback, we take a look at the scoreboard and we think, you know, I've heard of comebacks like this happening before, just not for people like me. Comebacks like this happen in the lives of others. Comebacks like this happen to people maybe that are a little smarter, that that are a little sharper, people that that maybe have a little different background. They're a little bit more gifted. And and sometimes we think, you know, I need a comeback. I'm just feeling a little inadequate for the comeback that is needed. Can I share something with you? All those who've ever had a comeback, the likes of which we're talking about, somewhere before the comeback began in their lives, they entertain thoughts like we're talking about right now. I think of Gideon, who will go down in world history as one of the greatest military leaders ever. But when God met Gideon or found Gideon and communicated to him, Gideon was hiding. He was discouraged. He was depressed. He was bitter. He was just a crabby guy all the way around, just a miserable creature. At the moment, God came to him and said, Gideon, you're going to do some great things. We wouldn't have picked Gideon. Gideon wouldn't have picked Gideon, in fact. As, as he responds to the Word of God in Judges chapter six, the Bible says, and he said unto him, "O oh my Lord, this is Gideon now speaking. Wherewith shall I save Israel?" Behold, my family's poor Manasseh, and I'm the least in my father's house. And so he's singing a real sad song. Nobody knows the troubles I've been through. Hey, my family's poor, and we're in the poor part of town. And of the poor people living in the poor part of town, I'm the least of them all. I'm, the, I'm poorer than the poor people I'm so poor. In. And, and and he says, Shall I save Israel? God, you're telling me? What was he saying? The same thing Moses was saying. Who am I? You want me to do this? Are are you serious? Do you know who you're talking to right now? But God reminds Gideon and Moses, and God's reminding us today, that the authority we need to mount a miraculous comeback in our lives, it doesn't come from within us. Our worth or value in life, it doesn't come from who we are, it comes from who he is. Our worth or value in life does not come from our physical birth. Our worth comes from our spiritual birth, from a relationship with God who can do anything that needs to be done in our lives. I love the way in verse 10 that we read together a moment ago, God, God said this to Moses, I'll send you, I will send you. Now, when Moses said, who am I? He was saying, I don't have the authority. When God said, I'll send you, he just said, you've been deputized, authorized, I will supervise, you just go. I will send you. I'm going to take care of all of that. The authority and need is there. Now, are we sufficient? No, we're not. The Bible in 2 Corinthians 3 and verse 5 tells us it's not that we're sufficient of ourselves to think anything is of ourselves. Our sufficiency is of God. But Moses came to understand, if God tells me to do anything, he's giving me the authority to do what needs to be done. Later, when Moses finally makes his way before Pharaoh in Exodus chapter 5, listen to what he says. Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, let my people go. I love the wording. What was he saying? Um, Excuse me, Mr. Pharaoh. I understand I really don't deserve to be here. But I've been authorized by God, and I'm not bringing my own message because, frankly, my message, it doesn't have enough value to grant me an audience with someone like you. But God, who's bigger than us both, He's asked me to come to, to tell you to let his people go. God said, let my people go. Moses would say, well, they're not, they're not my people. They're, they're God's people and I'm part of them. But he could go in that situation with the confidence because it was God that sent him there. Moses learned that when a comeback is needed, uh, that, that our authority and our credibility is tied to it being God's will for our lives it wasn't the will of moses that led to a comeback it was the will and the authority of god and as it starts moses well he's just feeling inadequate but as we move on we're going to see secondly he felt too weak he felt too weak If you're still with me this morning say amen Amen. are you feeling too weak okay i want us to think of what was said let's go back to the wording of this verse that we read a moment ago He, he went on he said who am i who am I? That was his question. He said that I should bring forth the children of Israel. Who am I? He was saying, I don't, I don't have the authority to do this. But when he said that I should bring forth the children of Israel, he was saying, I, I don't think I have the capacity to do that. He was saying, not only do I not deserve a comeback in my life, I'm not strong enough, I'm not savvy enough, to make it happen now in God's original command he said I'll send you there's the authority and in verse 12 he answers this next need this way he said certainly I will be with thee I know you don't have what it takes I know you feel frail you feel too weak but God said I will be with you listen to what God was saying he was saying Moses help is not on the way Quit waiting for someone to show up and change things for you. Quit waiting for a situation or a scenario to develop that's just like, man, the planets are aligning and it's all going to work out now. God said, Moses, help is not on the way. It's already here. I'm your helper. This is my role in your life. This is what I want to do for you. I want to enable you to do that, which, which is good for you and glorifying to me. That's what God wanted him to know. In fact, Moses told God, he said, well, who should I tell everybody who sent me? Uh, and God said, tell him, I am. I am. Now, that's strange. In Exodus 3 and verse 14, God said to Moses, I am that I am. And he said, thus shalt thou say to the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. He said, Moses, tell everybody I am. And Moses says, I am what? And God says, you tell them I am whatever they need. That's my role in their lives. I can take care of them. I can can facilitate this. God is saying, I will authorize the work, and I will equip you by my strength. And this is the only way anything of value, of eternal value, gets done in our lives. We simply cannot do it without the work of God, without His presence in us and through us. There's a series of verses that I I reference to our church quite often, and I, I do so because Really, as a church family, there's no more important series of verses to help us understand what we're really to be all about. Uh, Many of the message series we have, this one, for example, on comebacks, there's a reason as a pastor I'm excited for people to have a comeback for God so we can do what we're supposed to do as a church family, that, that we would be the Christians that God would have us to be. But there's a series of verses we call the Great Commission. And, and their, their verses may be familiar to you. I'm going to run through it again. But it's amazing to me, as I study the Bible, I can almost always come back to the Great Commission and find at least a little bit of what it is we're talking about. And I want us to see how this begins and how it ends. These are the last words of Jesus Christ given to uh, them, them, them meaning the church, these words are from Jesus to us today. This is his will for our church. Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Now, I'm going to read on. But I want you to know, in the language of the New Testament, when Jesus said, All power is given unto me, he wasn't bragging, he wasn't boasting, he wasn't saying, Look at me. That word in in the original intent of the New Testament means, I have the authority. I've got the power, the capacity. I'm authorized to tell you to do what it is you're doing, and I'm authorizing you to get it done. So he started off really by answering this matter of who am I. He said, this power is available to you in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And look look at the ending. And lo, I'm with you always. I'm present. I'm with you. I'm telling you to do what needs to be done. I'm authorizing you. But he said, furthermore, I'm going to be with you each step of the way. I'm going to help you. I'm going to minister to you. You've got the authority and you've got the enabling. Now, whether you're thinking of your home or your job or your walk with God, as we follow God's path for our life, God prepares us for every step along the way. God doesn't come to us in our time of need. Hear me today. In your moment of need, in your moment of anxiety, in your moment of fear, God does not come to you. He doesn't do that. That's not how he works. And the reason he doesn't come to you in your moment of need is because he's already there. He's already there in your life in Psalm 46 and verse 1. The Bible tells us that God's our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. You see, God wants us to understand this. We don't get in a pinch in life and then say, where's God? Let me find God. He's with us every bit of the way. Many times we get in a situation because we've forgotten the reality that He's an ever-present help in trouble. He's a God that is with us all along the way. Often the emotion that precedes a comeback. Often the emotion. That goes just before a major turning in our lives is the sense of brokenness. That that normally precedes a, a turning to God that leads to a turning in our life, a sense of being broken. And in Psalm chapter 34 and verse 18, the Bible says this, the Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart. Now, we've already seen God sees our heart. He knows our sorrow. He hears our cry. He knows what's going on in our life. But when we are of a broken heart, God does not have to draw nigh. He doesn't have to come nigh. He is already nigh. He's ever-present. He's in your life. He's right there. And He's asking, why do you not turn to me when you need to come back in life? Why would you act as though I'm not even there or that somehow I've abandoned you? I'm with you. I just want to provide comfort for you in this. You're not alone. Now, we all have it in life to go through life and feel more like a commodity than anything else. People only want us or or look to us when they need something from us. We can feel lonely, we can get cynical, we can get jaded, and much of that is justifiable, not all of it. But I want to encourage you today with this thought. God cares, and He's there for you. Moses needed to know this before he would be willing or even able to launch out and go for it in life. And sometimes we fail to go for it in life because we are not sure where God is in it all. And, and it's good to know he's an ever-present God. And there's a final thought, and I've been told this didn't make it in the notes, but I, I want you to get this down. In my view, this last thought's the most important thought we'll consider together. I want you to see that he had to understand the goal. He had to understand the goal. Now, in life, it's kind of hard to quantify a win, you know? Sometimes we quantify a win by how we feel. How many of you have learned, like me, that our feelings can betray us? They can change quickly, you know? and. Uh, uh, you know hey how's the new job I love it it's wonderful and two weeks later it's like I hate it it's horrible and they were being honest either time you know the feeling just changed feelings change so it's hard to quantify a win in life with emotions because emotions by nature are fickle I think it's hard to quantify a win in life by looking at an account balance and I think a lot of us are very bottom line people and money's an important part of life and so if it affects our bottom line in a positive way it's good and many times it is but not every time I think most Most of us have have come to terms with the fact that money's a big part of life. It's an important part of life. We all need it to get by, but it's not everything in life. And so you can't quantify a win in life by how you feel or by how you're doing financially. We we know those aren't good ways. God boils it down that a win in life is understanding the goal in the comeback and accomplishing it for Him. Now, we read verse 12 together a moment ago, and I want you to look again with me with what it is that God's saying. God said, Moses, um, when you've brought forth the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God upon this mountain. God said, Moses, Moses, are you listening? The goal is that you'd get back on this mountain where we're talking right now. I, I want you to serve God. Serve God. And I want you to do it on this mountain, very specific, and we're going we're gonna to see all of this. I, I want you to understand this. The Bible says, and Moses rose up and his minister Joshua, and Moses went up into the mount of God, the very mountain where Moses was that God said you'll come back is the same mountain in the Bible that's called the mountain of God. God was helping them to understand what all was going on here. That was an important place. And Moses had to understand the goal in the comeback. It wasn't for personal satisfaction. It wasn't so you can be vindicated for all those who said you couldn't do it and you didn't know how to do it. And for those who implied in one way or another that somehow maybe you're just a loser. The goal in a comeback is not to put it all in their faces. Although that might be fun, that's not the primary goal. The goal in a comeback isn't for revenge. It's not so that we can somehow get retribution. It's not because we've been we've been burned out by somebody and we want to get back or get even. It's all about about allowing life to be used in such a way that God can receive the glory from it all now I had to take some Greek in Bible college I did not take a lot of Hebrew but from what I understand the word worship which is a big deal in the life of a believer is the same Hebrew word from which we get our word to serve or to work so the idea found in worship is serving or working and what is it that God told Moses He said, I want you to get back to this mountain, this very spot, and I want you to serve me. Now listen to what was happening in the life of Moses at this time. Moses, you and my people, they've been known as the servants of Pharaoh. They served Pharaoh on his turf, on his terms. They added to his honor. They glorified Pharaoh. People around the world would look to Pharaoh, and they would esteem him as powerful because my people, God would say, were serving him. And God said, here's my goal in a comeback in your life. It's that you'd get back on my turf and on my terms, that you would worship me. That you would honor me. That your words, your deeds, your actions, your attitudes would bring honor and glory to me. Now that's what's in your best interest as well. But God is not interested in a divine enablement in our lives so that we can do something so that we can boast. Or so we can flex our muscles. So that somehow we can tell others that we've done more than they have or done better than they have. God says, my goal in your life and my goal in a comeback for your life is that you'd come back into fellowship with me. To closeness with me so that you could honor me Through worship. It's all about worship. It's all about a life that loves God and walks with God. You see, he is not interested in helping us do our will. His desire is that we would do his will. And God was very emphatic that that mountain where Moses stood that day would be the place where he would return. And we know that later that was the place where the Ten Commandments were given. We know that it was a place where they came to worship God and a place through which God was honored. Isn't it something that the mountain... Where Moses was that day would have been a mountain of loss, a mountain of regret, a mountain of loneliness. Before the talk with God, Moses would have said, I hate this old mountain. It's standing in between me and where I need to go. I had the good life, and I'm out here, I'm alone. And I'm dejected, and I'm broken, and my prospects for the future are limited. And people could look at me, and they would rightfully say, that guy's at a dead-end place in his life. He's got nowhere to go. And Moses would have been thinking, I need to come back, but I cannot come back because of this ginormous mountain right in front of me. And that was the very mountain that God said I'm going to use to bring glory to me. Think of that. You see, the mountain in front of you that you'd label comeback can become a mountain that testifies of God's goodness and grace in your life if you'll recognize God as your ever-present help. We were almost frozen when my uncle showed up. A few minutes later, we're in his house. A few minutes after that, we're around the fire drinking hot chocolate. And he said, Steve... Why didn't you just call me earlier? He was implying it, it didn't have to get so late. and You didn't have to get so cold. And the, and the, and the, the ditch that you drove into, it didn't have to be that deep. Why, why didn't you call? And I wonder if at times God is looking at our lives and we, we see the need for the comeback. I mean, I, I think most of us, we can look in our lives and say, man, I need, to, I need things to change here, here, and here. And yet we just feel inadequate. You know, that, the winds like that don't come to people like me. And we feel too weak. I, I don't have what it takes to get this done. And maybe we just need to come to terms with the fact that the goal in it all is to honor the Lord Jesus Christ with our lives. And as we follow His will, He gives us the authority, the credentials, and He gives us... The enabling. Isn't it strange that we struggle with things that God could just easily deal with if we'd listen to His word and follow His lead? As I studied for this message, my thought was this. Let's all stand together. Would you join me in standing? As as I studied for this message, here was my thought. But Lord, they already know what I'm going to tell them. I I think if I would have put this sermon in print and put a place at the bottom to sign if you already know this and if you believe it I think probably the majority of people in this room today would say pastor I already believe what you just said I already know that but here's what I've discovered about my life and maybe you can say the same there's a lot of stuff I know that I forget I don't put to practice this is Exodus chapter 3 and what's happening here is God's telling Moses some things he needs to know. If we were to take the time to read just one chapter to the right, Exodus chapter 4, we're going to find Moses talking with God again. And God telling Moses, Moses, hey, I need you to tell Pharaoh something for me. And Moses says, you want me to do what? Who am I? I'm not a good talker. God, you know I stutter. I can't believe you're asking me to tell anybody anything for you. I'm not good. And, and God scratches his head and he thinks... We just went through this. Moses, I can do this through you. And Moses would say, honestly, well, I know that. But he's not practicing it. Yeah, I know I need to come back. I I know I need to live that life that, that isn't wasted serving other people and other things. We need to live lives that are serving Jesus Christ. I wonder how many of you here today like me would say, you know, Pastor, it's really not that hard for me to understand. There are areas, nuances parts of my life in need of a comeback are there some like that here today other than me who would say that yeah there's a room for improvement in my life wonderful wonderful great wouldn't it be great if we just put to practice those things we already knew to do let's bow our heads in the spirit of prayer together i want us to just think for a few moments Maybe you're here today and you'd say, Pastor, listen, not only is it not hard for me to realize I haven't arrived, I'm not perfect, I've got room for improvement, I've got areas in need of a comeback. Maybe your heart today would say, Pastor, as I think of all those things, I, I, I realized that this message was one I needed to hear. It's good for me to be reminded of what we talked about today. I, I, I knew this, I know this, but I needed to hear this Today, this was a message that I think it helped me in, in my life. Are there those like that this morning about a testimony? Just a quickly raised hand. That's awesome. Thanks so much. Now, listen. Maybe you're here today, and and the pressing issue in your life is just that you're not sure where you are in terms of a relationship with God. And, and if you were asked, do you absolutely know beyond a shadow of a doubt? that you have a relationship with God that's going to last forever, there would be doubt or uncertainty. And it doesn't have to be that way. We had many people in our early service who let this be the day where they dealt with that very issue. And, and maybe you're here this morning and you'd say, you know, Pastor, really, when you put it that way, I can't say that I know for sure. I have that kind of relationship with God. If that could be known, I'd like to know it. Don't point me out. Don't embarrass me. But if you see my hand and think of me in prayer, that would mean something to me. If I could know, I would like to know that I would be able to spend eternity in heaven and join a relationship with God. I wonder, are there those this morning, just by a quickly raised hand, and say, Pastor, I don't know that, but if if it could be known, I'd like to know it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I wonder, are there others? You'd say, Pastor, I'd, I'd like to know that. Think of me in prayer. Pray for me pray for me maybe there are other spiritual decisions in need of being made and perhaps you've been saved and not yet scripturally baptized or god's putting it in your heart to maybe unite with the coastline family i would just say follow the lord's leading follow his leading in your life and do what he'd have you to do ryan's going to sing in a minute if you know these words as he sings feel free to sing along but uh, maybe today you need to spend a moment in prayer Something specific we talked about. If you'd like to pray in the front, that's what the front of a church is for. You're welcome to do that. You can certainly pray at your seat. But by all means, if God has used some of our study today to kind of stir your heart, talk to Him about it. Talk to Him about it.